Blog Talk Radio. Frank Ocean tweeted 
that he cannot now that he's gotten in this altercation, he can't play with two hands at the Grammys. I assume he means guitar or something. Um, now, he, I, he I almost when, when, I, when I saw that, I thought it was kind of like, well, maybe, maybe he shouldn't be even expecting to play at the. Maybe I mean, I don't, I don't know. That seems kind of presumptuous to after you get in this kind of trouble to just assume that you're still going on. No. Yeah, um, I didn't know. First of all, I would have appreciated if he tweeted, like, I'm sorry for all the family and victims in Brazil and not about his, like, sore thumb. Like, I don't care. I agree with Megan. Like, I think, like, it, who, I didn't even know he was performing at the Grammys. And also, nobody watches the Grammys. You watch the highlights on YouTube later. So, who cares? <laughs> yeah, nah, not if you're Ryan Holmes and you live tweet it and annoy the crap out of people. Well, that's amazing. Um, it's true. It's true. So, let's... T- Let's talk about. I'm glad we can all agree on one thing. Let's talk yeah. about Lindsay Lohan. Uh, th- this. Let me just read the first couple uh, paragraphs of this uh, Huffington Post article. Uh, it's titled "Lindsay Lohan Acted Like a Child on Canyon's Set," says co-star James Dean. Um, now, when I first saw James Dean, I thought I was in tripping some other universe. Yeah, he's but I guess he's a, yeah. yeah, I guess he's a porn star. So here's the first couple paragraphs. Yeah. Um, Lindsay Lohan might get herself into some very adult trouble, but her co-star says she acted like a child on the set of The Canyons. Porn star James Dean, who stars opposite the 26-year-old actress in the Paul Schrader-directed flick, revealed that he was shocked by Lohan's childish behavior. There were days when she would scream and yell and cry and refuse to come out, he told the son. In porn, I'm used to working with professionals who are courteous to others, but Lindsay was like a child lashing out. Megan, what do you make of that? Um... I would just like to point out that Lindsay Lohan is 56 years old. Caitlin, you and I are both older than that. And this yeah. girl has already gone, like, this girl has already had, like, three comebacks, and she's 26, so we are behind. Like, I am. I know. We've <laughs> got to get it together. Breakdown to come back from. Yeah, somebody uh, get me some heroin. Right, I know. I, I think I'm just going to skip that. Um, oh, all right. Yeah, I think I'm just going to skip right to the start making embarrassing movies. Okay. And then, not like sex videos, like, I'm going to start starring in bad movies and then have to, like, come back from that. <laughs> oh, that's but, right. I um, want to come back from all of the drugs because I'll be, like, incredibly skinny and people will feel really bad for me. And then I could yeah. probably start my own movie about myself. But that's, that's <laughs> not a bad plan. That's not a bad plan. No, it's a great plan. Like, I got skinny. I wrote my if you get that skinny, If you get that skinny, you lose your boobs, and it's not worth it to me. You can wear a bra. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> Finally, let's nothing touch like the real on, thing, baby. Let's so, touch on the uh, like inauguration the uh, that happened one week ago uh, today. Um, uh, Katie Brodnick, what do you think? What did you think of President Obama's uh, inauguration speech? It was great. I just love him. I love everything about him. I just want to hug him and just wrap him up in blankets and snuggle him. I just love him to death. I love him to death. And I, it was so awesome. It was on Martin Luther King Day. I just love Obama. I can't get enough of him. But I was also really into what everyone was wearing and very curious about if Beyonce was lip singing. So I was a little preoccupied. Were you okay with that, that she was lip singing? Yeah, who cares? It's cold outside. And it's also like you don't want to screw that up. It's Obama. He's the first black president. (laughs) And uh, and and uh, Megan, uh, what what did you think of this speech? Uh, first of all, I wouldn't want to screw it up if I was singing for the president. I don't care if he's the first black president or or the eighty seventh white president. I still wouldn't want to screw it up. Um, uh-huh. And uh, in addition to that, I uh, you know I, I did not watch the entire speech. I watched the highlights on uh, you know YouTube and stuff, just like you watch the Grammys. And I won't even look up the highlights. <laughs> of the Grammys on YouTube. Um, but uh, I just actually just had a, a great conversation. This is about to get serious for a second. With a parent of one of my students about Obamacare, and it was the first time I heard a good argument about why Obamacare isn't, isn't the greatest thing. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, I, it, it was actually nice to kind of see things from both sides. And I understand some of the, some of the criticism about the administration. I'm not, I'm not so concerned about criticizing the actual president. But I, I see some issues with the administration, and I. But at the same time, I'm very excited that uh, he seems more gung ho about about getting things completed. Well, yeah, I, I'm hoping mm-hmm. stuff actually just gets accomplished with less bipartisan shit 
this time around. <laughs> so let's, uh, let, let's talk about this. Um, now, uh, a big part of his speech was that he uh, talked about marriage equality in an, in an inauguration speech. It's hard to say. Um, now, do you, do you guys know how um, some people's reaction made me feel? I'm guessing. I think I just put my finger on it. I think it was maybe a certain way. When you just don't know what you're feeling, you can't find the right words to say. Well, that's the moment you start to realize you're feeling a certain way. You feel a certain way. I feel a certain way. I bet everybody's feeling a certain way. I feel a certain way. You feel a certain way. Erica Lustig, the uh, the the girls of Syracuse are representing tonight. Oh wow, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> so the reaction from some after President Obama professed equal marriage rights at his inauguration made me feel a certain way. Some, and these folks are on the right, said it only took Obama half a lifetime to say it. But I ask that they remember who they voted for. They voted yeah. for Mitt Romney who donated $10,000 to the Massachusetts Family Institute, a group dead set that transgender people are sexual predators, and another $25,000 uh, to the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, which uh, vigorously defended the Mormon Church's financial backing of Proposition 8. This is a guy who doesn't believe in civil union. They also voted for Paul Ryan, who has a 0% rating from the HRC, who has voted to ban gay marriage and gay adoption, and voted against the Hate Crimes Prevention Act. Chances are they also voted for Governor George W. Bush, who proposed that goddamn amendment to the Constitution banning gay marriage. So to lump Obama in with that is unfair. Also, please go to the tape of my 2010 interview with KT Tungstall, a cabaret artist in New York City, where we both say we think and hope Obama is lying and he will support marriage equality in the second term. In a perfect world, Obama could have declared his support for marriage equality in 2008, but we live in a country that makes that, that thinks people like Sarah Palin, Michelle Bachman, and Marco Rubio are formidable political leaders, a country that very nearly, very nearly elected George W. Bush president of the United States. I truly believe that KT's in my prophecy was right. I think he was lying the whole time. And if Obama lying about this then made it so that Sarah Palin was never a heartbeat away from the presidency, then I'm glad he did it. Let's, let's look at the record. Since he took office, Obama has signed the Hate Crimes Prevention Act, repealed Don't Ask, Don't Tell, extended benefits to same-sex partners of federal employees, banned job discrimination based on gender identity, advocated that all hospitals recognize LGBT visitation rights, authorized military chaplains to perform same-sex weddings on or off military bases, restored full military severance to discharge LGBT service members, and awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom to Harvey Milk and Billie Jean King, among many other things. He's done more than any other president's ever. So don't give me this only took him a lifetime to say bullshit. He said it, and even before he said it, he was doing it. So that's more than any other president, and it's sure as hell more than the biggest you voted for. Katie, Megan, yeah. I love you. Thank you guys so much for doing it. Yeah. You're welcome. Thanks for having yeah. us. And for I the record, I you. would sing live for Mitt Romney, because <laughs> I don't care. I would only Very nice. Well, have you both back soon. Take care, guys. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you. All right, and now, please welcome to the program the writer and producer of the new web series Prodigals, Carlton Tannis, and from Grumpy Films, the producers of the feature film Just Another Night, Jason, Jude Hill, and Daniel Sears. Hello, hello. you guys off. Let me see. Carl? Hello. There you are. Okay. Hello. Welcome to the program, guys. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh so let's now let's 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 deal with your backgrounds a little bit. Um Carl, you you've worked all over the place in theater, places like the Metropolitan Opera, the old Vic. Uh which has been your most favoritist experience and why is it better than doing this show right now? Better than doing the show than your show? <laughs> My show. This show Nothing right Nothing is better than your show, Ryan. Agreed. Um 
My favorite, I think my favorite experience actually that I ever did was with this company called the International Wow Company, which is a, 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 a avant-garde-ish sort of theater company based out of Brooklyn, but their, their artistic director, Josh Box, actually uh, made the documentary Gasland. I don't know if you ever saw that um, about the fracking situation, but uh, I think in terms of just as a performer, that whole experience, I did this show called Surrender, which was like a virtual we brought the audience in. We gave them basic army training. We sent them to combat, and then there was a whole. It was like a four-hour ordeal, but it was this incredible connecting with the audience experience that I had. And I think out of all the companies that I've worked with, that that was probably my my top. Well, well <laughs> I, I hear you've had some other tops in your life, possibly. Hey, hey, hey it's a gay show today, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and. Uh, you also uh, did Magic Time at Judson Church, and that's that's my frequent guest and co-host Tom Fogarty's church. Do you know him? Do you love him, I, and does he scare you? Uh, I know him, love him, and he scares me all at the same time. It's all a, a very good thing. Yeah, I did uh, I did a show that he had uh, adapted from uh, a short book, actually, of a bunch of essays that this man had written about uh, – um, it was all about it was well it was ten stories of these different gay men and their experiences uh back in like the sixties and seventies about uh you know the community like the LGBT community at the time and, and what it was like for them to either be closeted and be afraid to come out or come out or lose their friends to the AIDS epidemic. So it was a it was a pretty intense and heavy show for the whole two performances that we did. But, yeah, I love Tom. It was uh, it was pretty awesome working with him. Wow, yeah. Um, so, uh, now, Daniel and Jason, uh, did, did you guys have a background in theater? And were you always doing film? What's, uh, what's sort of your, your past? How did you get involved no, we, in the uh, arts? We, uh, we both come from a theater background. We both studied it in college. Um, different different ends of the spectrum. I was more the, uh, the 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 book and script end of the experience, and uh, and I started in musical theater, and then ended up in mm-hmm. in, in comedy somehow. <laughs> Isn't that what we all oh. do? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, and then and then we uh, both made our way separately to Chicago and worked in storefront theater there for for several years. Both act, acting, producing. Oh, in the Chicago, the Chicago theater environment, there's a couple big stages, the Goodman, the Steppenwolf, and then there are something like uh, over 200 small theater companies, the majority of which operate out of theaters that have been uh, established in former storefronts mm-hmm. throughout the city. So, there, so there's, they're all small, intimate spaces and... It's extremely experimental. I mean, you've got really small companies that are producing on a dime, you know, doing everything from from huge, huge casts to, you know, your typical unitard and, and crazy music sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you guys kind of uh, morph from these theater and musical theater lives to uh, the, the viral YouTube sensations you've become? Oh, Daniel, uh, you can answer that one. <laughs> um, well, I think we... Um, I think we had both gotten in our uh, creative lives to a point where we wanted to experiment with the next thing, and neither of us had really worked that much in film. Uh, A musician friend of ours in Chicago asked us to do a music video for one of his songs, and um, we borrowed a camera and wrote the video and made it happen, produced it for him, and it was from that, I think we we from that experience, we both kind of went, oh, well, this is this is interesting. I want to work more over here. So, and then that was the that was the transition, I think. You know, I kind of forgot yeah. that we had done that. That that was the first one. So, thank you that for was the very, me that, that. That was the very that was first, the very first one. thing, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> By the way, I'm seeing a ton of people in the chat room uh, not logged in. They're, they're coming up as guests. If you want to actively engage in the chat tonight and write questions in the chat room so I can ask them on the air. Just sign in, either through Block Talk Radio or through Facebook or through Twitter. Or, or is it Twitter or Twatter? Twitter, right? Twatter. Totally Twatter. I vote for Twatter. Let's, let's, make, let's make it Twatter tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, um, let's talk about this uh, 
You know, I have to Carl say, it's Gold. so funny to hear. It's so funny to hear you call me Carl because so many people call me Carlton now, and I can tell the difference between when I met people in my life, depending on what name they call me by. That's kind of like Kate Doyle. You know, it's like the the people who've known her the longest. It's Katie, and then the people <laughs> who know her now, they call her Kate. And not only do we call her a different name, but as we pronounce it, it's a different spelling. So yeah. when I'm saying Katie, it's K-A-T-I-E, but when other people call her Kate today, it's C-A-I-T. She just got fancy, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Carl, and you'll always be Carl to me, you've oh, worked, yeah. uh, you, you, you're working on the show uh, uh, Prodigals with your first time writing. Uh, how did that feel? What made you decide to get into writing? Um, well, I, I have a day job working on a television show as one of their uh, utility stand-ins, which basically basically means that I'm there like five days a week, 70 hours a week, you know. So it's oh a, a lot of just time sitting around doing not much. And I've been doing it for this. I'm on my third season with them now. And uh, I started to get really, I guess, creatively frustrated. And uh, there's a girl that stands in with me there. Her name's uh, Danielle Sepulveda is, and she is an author. And she published her first book last year, and we had been talking a lot about her writing process, and she was saying how she uses that as her creative outlet since we're sort of trapped there all the time every day. And uh, she was like, you should give that a try. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll see. And I had a couple stories floating around in my head that I was, you know, thinking about tackling, but I didn't know how I wanted to go about it. And then uh, I just started out at first by writing a couple uh, essays about different things. And then I, I realized that it was a, a good escape for me to sort of get out of the banality of the everyday life there. And um, and so then I, I knew I wanted to be writing things. I just didn't know what. And it wasn't until... Um, my friend Emily Best, who founded this website that we're using to crowdfund called Seed and Spark, uh, she mm-hmm. sort of approached me out of the blue and asked if I was working on anything or writing anything. And it was sort of like the heavens came down. And we're like, this is what you should be doing because now she's talking about writing and you've never written anything. So uh, mm-hmm. she sort of explained to me what the website was and how it was for independent film and independent filmmakers. And so I was trying to think of of which idea I wanted to write about that could be written or told in some sort of uh, cinematic form. And that's sort of how this uh, came about, strangely enough, just sort of by chance. This, this day job that you just mentioned, is it true that you've stood in for Jake Silberman? <laughs> I did, I did. I stood in for Jake Silberman in a speedo. He was in the speedo. I didn't have to wear the speedo, but yeah, I definitely stood in for him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of his fans on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and um, when that speedo scene came on, um, my Twitter was quite the rage that night. It exploded, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It did. I think along with every on. single woman on set that day, and some of the guys too. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the series um, now. Uh, this is uh, it's about three siblings whose relationships are in, in need of a bit of rehabilitation. Uh, yeah. What what happened to these three folks? Um, it, well, it's a semi-autobiographical story, so there's 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 that whole aspect to it. But it's basically, um, and the part that's not semi-autobiographical is the fact that uh, the reason, one of the reasons, there's many, but one of the reasons that uh, they are no longer uh, really speaking with each other is because one of the siblings has gotten engaged to his boyfriend. And uh, it sort of puts a rift in the family because the other two siblings don't really agree with it. And so um, along with a multitude of other things that they don't agree with, um, they uh, that's a big one. And uh, it sort of all comes to a head in this first episode where I don't want to give anything away, but something big happens and sort of, they're sort of all forced to come together and, they have to sort of hash out, you know, the, the relationships that they have with each other and the relationships that they have with the other people in their lives and also with themselves. So it's essentially a story of of trying to find 
compassion and love for everyone in your family, no matter what, you know, the case may be. Awesome. Um, and uh, this, uh, I, I read that it's, this web series is being directed by Nicole Ricciardi. Are you worried that at the very offer to flee anywhere with James McAvoy, she will abandon you immediately and you'll have to find a new director? <laughs> I I uh I have faith in Nicole that she will not leave me in my uh direst hour, but I think if we can get James McAvoy to be in the series, that probably might uh be the best of all options. <laughs> Let's talk about just another night. Uh Jason and Daniel, you guys are the, the head honchos at Grumpy Films. Uh tell me about this, this film company and, and what makes it unique. Oh God, where to begin? Um, you know, I, I think the, in, I think one of the things that makes us unique, particularly with this conversation, is that Daniel and I are, are a couple, and uh, we've been dating, we've been together. In fact, we're celebrating our, our 13th anniversary this uh, this coming weekend. Um, oh wow! Yay! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I mean. Thank you, thank you. I mean, really, Graham and you know Daniel. I don't want to speak for Daniel, but as his wife, maybe I can. Um, <laughs> you know, Grumpy Films really—it's been really, happening since year three. So just, just keep it up, keep it up. Um, was really born out of our 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 love of working together. You know, we really we we've sat across the table at, at a lot of meetings with, in, with theater and in, and in film projects. So, and I think that that just another night, you know, that just another night is really an extension. Extension hello? of that, of that love to work together. Oh, hello. 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 Hi. Hello. I'd like to, hi. Um, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm a little confused. I'm hearing a lot of noise on the other line. I'd okay. like to give like an order for for delivery. Okay. What can we get for you? Uh, <laughs> first of all, I'd like the uh, sweet potato fries. And. Uh-huh. Um, also an order of a natural cut fries and uh, a, a medium order of the criss, crisscross cut fries and then uh, the, the fried zucchini fries and um, also a uh, garden salad with your low-fat balsamic vinaigrette on the side. And I was also wondering, do you carry, is it Pepsi or Coke that you guys have? Pepsi. You, okay. But you don't also have pork? Because like most people... Have both? No, nah, no Coke. Okay. Um, could you do you have like that Pepsi or do you have do you have Pepsi Zero? We just just the regular Pepsi. Could you could you do like half of both in the same cup? Is my question. <laughs> sure, no problem. What's 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 your address? It is seven four six Saint Nicholas mm-hmm. Ave. Do you deliver that high? Oh yeah, yeah. We'll go uptown for you. Yep. Okay. All right. Great. Um, it's so hard to find a Carl's in uh, in this part of town. You'd be surprised. Like when I moved here, I was like, I'm so good at Carl's. And yeah, well, I don't understand Wait why you're. Wait a second. Wait a second. You you think you're calling Carl Jr.? Yes, that is. No, no, no. I, Carl Tannis uh-huh. is on the radio. <laughs> I'm sorry for the confusion. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Y'all listen to their listen to the radio. I don't. Guys are listening to right. while, while working at Carl's. I don't. <laughs> All right, darling. We'll do our best to get the food up to you. Thank you for your call. Okay, I just want to. All right, we're how? What's the total gonna be? It, uh, Sixty-nine eighty-six. That is. Excuse me. You said fifty-nine eighty-six. Yeah. It's a, Fifty nine eighty six, yeah. I mean, you're ordering a lot of fries, so that is that is a lot more expensive here than it was back in Texas. That is, well, you know, <laughs> that is ridiculous. You New Yorkers, you are really that is my goodness. All right. you, I'm, I, it's forever. Y'all, is it because y'all are confused up here? Is that why? Yeah. Your eyes, full hearts can't lose. Have a great night. Okay. All right. Bye. I'm, <laughs> Uh, I'm terribly sorry about that. I don't know where she was going with that. No worries. It's because of, of Bloomberg. We can't use trans fats anymore. It would be a lot cheaper if we could use trans fats. 
It's so expensive now. Uh, okay, uh, so sorry. Continue your story about how the the, the film company began. Uh, Daniel, you you take it. Where was I? I don't remember. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying I don't to remember you left off. I, I really sorry, want a, a double cheeseburger right now. Yeah, I'm thinking of fries right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you were you were you were ever so deftly transitioning into into talking about the project, and and uh, just another just another night really grew out of our relationship, um, not only as professional, semi-professional, semi-sensational, sensational uh, film people, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, our, our personal relationship as well, and um, this is in the this is in the video that's over at Seed and Spark, kind of explaining the beginning of the project. But um, Jason had a, uh, as he put it, a, a Nora Ephron moment one night, and just kind of sat up in bed, and and I was asleep and snoring next to him, and he looked over very and said, rudely, very oh, rudely, and looked over and said. It said, "Oh my God, what am I going to do if you if you what am I going to do if you die?" And kind of that realization, not necessarily completely morbid, but that moment of realizing that you're completely committed to another individual, and this is a possible outcome of the relationship. And what what are you going to do? So he was inspired from there to then write this script for a short. At the time, we had just started. Um, doing a series of shorts online um, and uh, he had written a script for that and it, it, it went from there. Jason, you want to jump you in? You know, we're that? usually, you know, the one of the things about this project that makes it so special is we're, we usually are, do more, you know, two-bit comedy. We're used to poop jokes and and, and weird, <laughs> weird sketch comedy about, about alcoholic shampoo. Um, so <laughs> doing a Doing a, a a feature film uh, was a was is a step out of our comfort zone as well as as tackling more of a dramatic, realistic sort of storyline. I mean, we're right. used to we're used to doing you know parodying commercials and and uh, making fake TV shows. It's kind of what we, we <laughs> normally do. So this was this is really a step out of our out of our comfort zone. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the film in a moment. Uh, but first, it's time to do a segment on the show, a new segment. And it's called Reliving Great Moments in Blaze and Rye History. Assisting me tonight will be uh, terrestrial radio personality and internet radio sensation, good friend of the show, the David Bowers. David, how are you? I'm doing just fine. I, or at least I was until I started listening to your show. I, I thought for a moment we kind of time traveled back to an old uh, old 60s Imus in the Morning show there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Don, I, no, I've, you know, I guess to be compared to Don Imus is not not the worst thing in the world. All right, all right, David. So uh, what we're going to do is reenact an episode, uh, a part of an interview between me and uh, Chicago gangster JoJo Capone. David, you got your script in front of you? I have it right up and ready. All right, here we go. And scene. Uh, when this sort of stuff happens in the industry and things sort of fall through, how much blame would you put on the managers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it basic, basically, it paints a lot of relationships with managers because the manager only trying to make a dollar. First off, the manager's got to go through his artist, make all this money, and then he only gets a percentage of it. So that's one issue, you know? So, you know, everybody might have those little percentages of jealous bones in their body, so, you know, now it's like, okay, You'll see these artists take a, a liking to other managers or other dudes that they, they look up to or whatever, and you feel like your job is in jeopardy. And for me, you know, I kind of think it was alongside those lines because a lot of these guys, they just make their homies or dudes that grew up with managers, but these dudes don't understand and don't know nothing about the business, and it's a lot of that going on. You can have some managers that do know what they're doing and are greedy, you know what I'm saying? It's really hard to tell an artist what they really work. You know what I'm saying? How do you tell a person who's worth fifty five dollars show? I mean, <laughs> but they just call it the big homie hookup. But what happens? They don't know how to compensate you for what you do for them. Then you go to see the show. You're fooling them. 
honest about what can you get from them. If you tell me in a show and we're supposed to be homies, it's kind of disrespectful to call and say, you got some guys who are willing to spend 30000 The friendship becomes obsolete at this point. It makes it seem like you hate it because why would you get 55 pounds for nothing? That Gucci Poochie dude, I don't really know him for nothing, but I do Nobody likes this dude. Let's say you run into Rick Ross in a bar, right? Would you be cordial, or where there would always be that animosity? Well, it's really hard to say, you know. I mean, I mean, I'm a grand, I'm a hustler, so I, I really could care less. But all of us don't have to feel that way. David Powers, brilliant! Thank you so much for doing it, sir. <laughs> my pleasure, Ryan. I'll look for you in two weeks when you come over and say hi on my show. Oh, yes. Uh, what is the date of your show? And you're doing a big award show, right? Yeah, that's going to be a pre-Grammy show uh, Sunday afternoon before the Grammys, the 10th. It's going to be at 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. It's, uh, I, gave a, I gave the show a name that was easy for me to remember because you know how old I am. It's the David Bowers Award Show. <laughs> awesome. Well, check them out, the David Bowers Award Show. You can go over on Facebook and see all the event details there. David, always a pleasure, sir. Mine entirely, right. Have a good one. You too. Take care. <laughs> all right. That was Reliving Moments in Blazing Rye History or something to that effect. Let's get back to you guys. <laughs> um, all right. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> so let's talk about your – so you were doing the short shorts, and now you're transitioning into the, the big the feature film – um, no, it's it's called Just Another Night. It's about four different LGBT couples. Uh, tell me, tell me about these couples and how their stories intertwine. The uh, the kind of the uniting feature um, of the entire thing is they all they all take place at night and they all which I, I, just for me personally is is always a very quiet time of of the day and very pensive time of the day and for in each of these cases each of these four cases a, a rather mundane kind of everyday moment happens and um it quickly transforms into uh, a a major relationship turning point much like the the, the piece that was that that Jason had written just you know waking up in the middle of the night having this kind of profound thought and then realizing all of the ramifications of it. Um, so in each case, in each case, the couple is dealing with this, like I say, kind of everyday moment and not and a moment that isn't specifically related to an LGBT couple. It's more of a universal moment. Um, and they're, they're each at a different point in kind of the relationship trajectory as well. So we kind of get these four little moments from across the the time period of a relationship and and uh and what happens at each of these moments and how this couple kind of reacts to that transition or that, that mundane moment in the middle of the night is that something that that you both can relate to does this happen a lot oh absolutely i would say absolutely mm-hmm. i mean um it's one of those things where you you know it's a mem- it's a memory sparks something or you know, you realize that, you know, like like Daniel said, you know, my experience with, with our relationship, I, I literally had a, a Nora Ephron moment. I sat up and, you know, right. in bed and went, oh, my God. And it was the, the moment itself was, um, you know, I probably was woken up by him snoring or moving or something like that. So there was nothing really to be scared about it. But what I was thinking at the time was so pro- profound. It was about, the, you know, really the rest of our lives. And that's what, in each one of these stories that we're trying to do, um, it doesn't really matter that it's same-sex couples. Um, can, in fact, two of the, two of the stories are we're writing as, uh, as lesbians and two are, are gay men, and we're trying to show really that universality of, of relationships. It is those moments that you, that you find, oh, my God, I, I want to spend the rest of my life with this person. Right. Wow. Quite, quite those profound profundity of those moments. Um, now, Carl, let me read a quote of yours. Uh, for, you say, perhaps it's an old hat to say that today's media does not do a very, very realistic job of portraying the LGBT community in entertainment, but not many people seem to be creating anything to the contrary. 
Both of these projects are seeking to fill that void to move the practice away from a reliance on stereotypes, the tragic cliches towards uh, presenting real LGBT characters dealing with universal situations. Maybe one day we won't even have to use LGBT. They will just be characters. Uh, explain that quote to me. Uh, I want to correct you, first of all. It's, a, it's actually a joint quote because me and Daniel, uh, when we were uh, sort of collaborating, uh, when we first came up with the idea to collaborate on, uh, on our crowdfunding experiences, um, we had decided to type up this letter to send out to people to sort of explain what we were doing. Um, and so I typed up a rough draft, and Daniel gave up another draft of it, and so we sort of combined efforts. And so that quote is a, is a joint quote, which I'm happy to say it, I think it turned out very well. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think one of the things that we're trying to, and, and they just said it pretty well as well, but one of the things that we're trying to get across with our two projects is the is the fact that um, it's not it's not it's not about the sexuality. It's not about the sexual orientation. It's more about the human connection that goes on. And and then on uh, you know these people that are in our stories just happen to be LGBT people. Um, but the things that are happening to them and the stories that we're telling about them are human stories. And I think one of the things you know when I was speaking with Jason and Daniel when we first met each other really was that we, we, the way that, you know, we think it's great that the LGBT community is, is now represented so openly in the entertainment and media side of things, you know, in our culture these days. Um, and, you know, so many more people are coming out publicly and, and it's, it's becoming more accepted. But at the same time, we sort of see this, um, this stereotype still popping up everywhere. Like, you know, even... I'm not going to name any shows on the radio <laughs> like that or characters, but there's a couple popular shows that involve LGBT people, and they're winning awards and everything. And these it's great. shows are maybe new. Are they new shows? Are they normal shows? We say that. <laughs> I mean, they might be. You know, you could say new or normal, maybe even modern for that. Modern. I was going to say modern. Yeah. It's a whole um, family yeah. of shows, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they still, you know, even though these characters are still there, a lot of it is still, like we say, cliche. And it's it, they still aren't necessarily treated as human beings. And, and I think what's great about the end of the quote that we use is that one day we won't even have to refer to them as LGBT. They're just going to be people. And so I think that's that's what these two projects, something that we're really trying to strive for, trying to get the word out there and trying to, you know, just be people as opposed to a category. Right. As you know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking about uh, there's this gay storyline on Days of Our Lives right now, uh, and I'm realizing that that is the most re- that those are the most real gay people on television. Uh, uh-huh. That it, it doesn't the storylines are completely ridiculous, and the writing is horrible, and the show is awful. But in terms of the characters. I'm realizing that they're more realistic than than those other shows. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I only watch it because I have a huge crush on Chandler Massey, who's one of the gay gay kids. (laughs) All right. Um, (laughs) So, uh, well, and now both of these projects um, are uh, Prodigals and um, the the feature are being funded through Seed and Spark. What makes what makes this site different than Kickstarter or Indiegogo? You know, I'll take a shot at it. You know, Seed and Spark, um, we both, I met Carl or Carlton, depending on what circle you're running in, um, <laughs> through through Emily Best, and um, who's the, the founder of Seed and Spark. And, and really their philosophy is to is to bring filmmaking back to the to the individual and the filmmaker themselves and not you know indie filmmaking she'd want me to say this that indie filmmaking nowadays is really about turning over your rights and turning over your ownership of the film and never really seeing any money from that so they set out to to solve a lot of those problems and then give a vehicle for fundraising to to filmmakers like ourselves that wasn't Kickstarter and that wasn't indie um Indiegogo for various reasons. You know, they 
Um, one of the main things that, that makes it different is they have uh, streaming technology. You can, you know, once Carlton is done doing his you know, fundraising and producing prodigals, he can put it on Seed and Spark, and his fans can can watch it right there. So that's really one of the things that sets it apart from from the other things. Guys, and anything the, else? And the, I mean, the, imme- the immediacy of that as well. You know, it's literally as soon as the episode is finished, it could potentially be put up on Seed and Spark, and the community that helped funded and f- help produce that could immediately you know uh, uh, reap the benefits of of their contribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see. And you know and, these, and honestly I don't mm-hmm. think um I don't think the other two sites really promote um the sense of community that Seed and Spark has yes. has really put out. I don't think I would have met Carlton um if we were on Kickstarter together. I don't think I would have yeah. reached out to him um but you know that's really what what I think Seed and Spark is trying to do is really build a, a community of indie filmmakers. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, no. definitely they're trying just to foster this whole new way of indie filmmaking and, and the community that they're creating as a site. I think I think all the projects that launched on there, because uh, the site just launched on December 1st, so it's, it's pretty much brand new. Um, and I think everything that, that has launched on there, I think even the films that aren't, you know, LGBT-themed or whatever, I think with a multitude of them, we felt felt a connection with them. They They do a really good job at bringing all the projects that use their sites to crowdfund together in in one community trying to create this whole new wave of indie filmmaking. So and this is these are the first two LGBT themed works using the site to raise funds uh for the projects. How how did you, how do you guys know that you are the first and was there has there been enthusiasm from Seed and Spark at the fact that you are the first? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think um, I think the moment that it came up in my conversations with them, they were like, "Yes, this is a genre. This is something that we need to we need to support." Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, and we, yeah, and uh, we knew. I mean, the, the site launched with only how many? Was it fifteen projects? Fifteen. That the site launched yeah. With? yeah, fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. So just meeting all the people that we did at the launch party and also looking at the pages is how we how we found each other as being the only LGBT. Uh, projects on the site. Um, mm-hmm. It's like it was so meant Carl, to be. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, Carl, I hear that you've brought a clip of Prodigals. Do you want to go ahead and set it up? See, I brought a clip of Prodigals? <laughs> yes, oh, this is a clip from Prodigals uh, written by Carlton Tannis. Be right back. I'm terrified. One resident describes her horrifying experience when she first realized the complex was on fire. Yeah. Well, I woke up to go give me a cold pop. But then I thought somebody was barbecuing. I said, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire. Then I ran out. I didn't grab no shoes or nothing, Jesus. I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I want her on my show so bad. <laughs> I want her... To be a character on my show. Do you know Sweet that Brown, she, she if, was on the- if she is listening right now, I I adore <laughs> her. And I actually have introduced her to she's got like five more new fans that work on the show the television show with me because none of them had heard that before. Like this week and I was like, You're crazy, you have to listen to this. Yeah. Because she, my, she's uh, incredible. My my acquaintance in Chicago today told me that he was uh, he had just introduced the video to, to his uh, colleagues, and they had never seen it before. And, yes, they're now fans. Uh, you know that she was on, on this show a few weeks ago. I know. That's incredible. <laughs> I was more excited for that than, like, anything ever except tonight. Um, uh, so, I would be, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, I need you. So, here's this Seed and Spark thing. Uh, what, what's, we only have a few days left. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> two days left. Two days yeah, left. Yeah, two days. There are oh, two geez. days left. We have to meet. We we each have to meet on each of our projects. We have to meet eighty percent of our fundraising goal in order to be greenlit to get anything. So mm-hmm. we have two days left to to reach the eighty percent, and then anything after the eighty percent obviously is a bonus. But uh, but yeah, there's two days left. That's terrifying, <laughs> and it went by so quickly. <laughs> and can you um, tell the the listeners where to go? What website is just seedandspark.com and find it from there? Is there a particular uh, location, particular website for you? Uh, no, well, you for can, prodigals, 
Oh, go ahead, guys. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, yeah, it's uh, seedandspark.com, and then uh, when you land there, there's uh, uh, a button to click on to go to the studio, which is all of the uh, projects that are, are currently seeking funding, and then uh, you can search by, by title name uh, for both of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and uh, Prodigal, th- just throw some websites at me. Carl, th- tell me everything you need to know about Prodigals. What's Twitter? What's the website? Go. Uh, Prodigals. The, the uh, Twitter is at Prodigals Series. That's Prodigals Series. So there's a lot of S's in there, but it's at Prodigals Series. And then the website is the Facebook page, which is uh, Facebook. Oh, I just I don't remember the exact link, but just Google search or Facebook search Prodigals the new web series, and that that'll pop up. Okay. And what about you guys for just another night? Where where should people go? Uh, easily Facebook uh, pages, Just Another Night Feature Film. We're not on Twitter yet, but people can always keep in touch with us at either grumpyfilms.net or on our YouTube channel, which is uh, YouTube backslash Grumpy Films Inc. And uh, Facebook as well. We're on Facebook at Grumpy Films Inc. and Twitter at Grumpy Films Inc. as well. I, I thought we all agreed that we would call it Twatter, though. Oh, what's Twatter? Oh, crap. Twatter, oh, yeah. I sent, I sent, we sent people to the wrong place. Well, you can find us on Twatter, too. It's Twatter, guys. It's on Twatter. I want you to know that I put, in a, I put in a Carl's Jr. order, and it hasn't come up yet. <laughs> oh, I already I ate to, all that. I already oh, ate that lady's almost. fries. <laughs> I went to Twatter.com once, and it looked just like Twitter, except... It was like it was called the anti-social network, but it, everything was the same as that. I didn't understand what was anti-social about it. It was like I entered a, another universe. <laughs> so it's like they're trying to be anti-social by creating another social network. Exactly. I don't understand it. Isn't it ironic? Explode. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jason and Daniel, it was great to meet you guys. Carl, always a pleasure. Give my love to Rob. And um, thank you guys so much for doing it. It's been a blast. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ryan. Thank Thanks you. so much. Hey, Ryan. Take care, guys. Have Ryan, can I give a quick quick shout-out to some people that yes. just donated while I was on here? Absolutely. Uh, I just want to shout-out to my mom, Carol Bates, and then to also Travis Farmer and Todd Silverman. Thanks, guys, for the donations. It means a lot. Awesome. You got some live donations going. Holla. Holla. Glad to hear it. <laughs> All right. Have a great night. Talk Thanks for having me, Ryan. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Bye. All Bye. right. Uh, that was Blazing Ride Radio for January 28, 2013. I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence. And lastly, if you have a Barbie doll, bend her backwards, cut off her hair, Burn her knuckles on the stove and leave her in some draws. Good night, everybody. <laughs>